that on? I love that scripture. It boils everything down to the simplest elements, doesn't it? Come on, my friends. This morning is Sunday. It is October 11th, 2009. Our message this morning is called Instruments of Righteousness. You want to turn to Matthew, not Matthew, our uh, pastor. We turn into Matthew 9. We're going to start in the 18th verse. This might be a message you would want to take some notes in. If you're not the note-taking kind, then do everything you can. Pray that God cause your spirit to absorb this. Okay? We are in Matthew 9, 18. It says, While he was saying this, a ruler came and knelt before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come put your hand on her and she will live. Come put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him, and so did his disciples. We're going to skip to the 23rd verse, or else I'm going to end up teaching on Zizi. When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away. This girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she got up. News of this spread through that region. I want you to get these two elements from this part of this story. A touch from the master's hand brings life to lifeless dead things. You get this? He put his hand on someone who was dead, and there was life as a result of that. The second thing that I'm hoping you get from this as we build our message this morning, as we begin to paint a mosaic of what God is like and how we can relate to it, is worldly people were playing a tune. They were outside, they were playing flutes, they were playing a dirge, and what did Jesus tell them? It's noisy, get out. Now music, to the right here, is music, it's beautiful, it is not noisy, it's not uh, something that you would want to avoid, but the people of this world are incapable of being used as an instrument that is pleasing music to God, it's simply noise. All of it is sounds, but when it's arranged the right way, when it's put in a divine order, sounds become music rather than noise. God dismissed these people so his work could be done. Look at John 12 with me. Tell me when you're there. We're going to be in John 12, starting in verse 23. Touch of the master's hand brings life to dead things. And worldly people are all playing a tune, but it's noise. It's not music. John 12, 23. Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces. Come on now, who would think that something dying would bring production? If it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. If dying brings production, if dying to this world brings eternal life, we need to look real quick at what that is. Look at the 27th verse. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Friends, when we lose our life and we become dead to self, we 
we have the opportunity to participate in a different kind of life. Each time you're put in a situation where you know your will is different than God's will, and you die to your will, you suddenly have the opportunity to become productive and produce eternal life. If we are never put in those positions, or if we never make the right choice, there is no production, and there is no eternal life. Losing our lives happens in those moments when we recognize the Father's glory requires death in a situation, and then we do it. The people of this world have lives that if you related them to music, they would be noisy because they never step and beat with the Spirit. They are walking to the tune of their own drummer. If we want Jesus' hand to be upon us and his life to come, the first thing that has to happen is we have to send that discord away. We have to send that kind of lifestyle away. When the Master touches dead, lifeless things, they take on a new life. Matt, tell us about a dead, lifeless husband. It's not me. Yeah, Yeah, once upon a time, let's say hypothetically, (laughs) I have this friend. Uh, There's a story about a a guy who uh, was uh, obviously a husband, he was married, but he was very abusive, abusive in various forms, uh, with words, physically. And you ever met most kind of people where no matter where they go, their bad attitude, what they, what they, due to maybe one individual or, or one circumstance that follows them everywhere they go. Um, well, this guy at work, at home, was abusive verbally, but also abusive physically. And uh, it kind of stepped a little bit outside this box. You know, uh, those that are serial killers don't wake up one day and say, today I will kill 25 people in this manner. They begin by killing cats and dogs and mutilating what is weak and small. And as they build confidence, it grows. That's exactly what this guy was doing. It got to the point where this guy's sin caught up with him. His wife came in one day and found him dead on the couch. Come on. You walk into a house. The only person in it is dead. How much noise is there? The noisy, yelling abuse, the constant meddling in the lives of the people there for harm. It was all gone. Why? Because he was dead. Friends, when the Bible tells us to be dead to this world, it means dead like that guy. Having no life in it. No ability to speak on your own behalf. No ability to input into other people's life on your own behalf. Matt, that guitar that you have, Tell us about his lifeless nature. <laughs> well, uh, I guess this kind of instrument, if I were to look at it and say, hey, play me a song, what would you expect it to do? Nothing. Hey, uh, I'm going to be out next weekend. I need you to lead worship. <laughs> I'm going to plug you in. You'll be on the soundboard, Darren. You know, be sure to turn him up a little bit. He's kind of weak this morning. What is he going to do? Nothing. Why exactly is he dead? No life inside of him. In and of himself, right? God, not by himself. Listen to this scripture. It comes from John 5, 19 through 22. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. 
For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Brandon, why don't you come up here? I want to show you something about this lifeless guitar. at all. But I know what that one cost. And that makes it precious to me. I know what it can do. And that makes it precious to me. Why don't you play something, Brandon? Play, uh, play Hosanna. Yeah, play Hosanna for us. <laughs> something wrong with the guitar, Brandon? No. Okay, play for us. Uh, well, let's just hypothetically say you dropped it. Come on. <laughs> Y'all feeling the presence yet? <laughs> Come on, Raven, play something, man! <laughs> I don't understand. Did, did the guitar break? No. Is something wrong with the guitar? No. Because it's a dead, lifeless instrument, isn't it? What's wrong with the guitar? It is almost as if God needs two things to happen. Not only does the guitar need to remain dead, can you imagine if Brandon's trying to play and the guitar says, no, I want this chord. Can you imagine? How would that work? What if the guitar said, today, I think I want to be an accordion. (laughs) Probably not going to work. It's almost as if not only does that guitar need to be dead, but it needs to be put into the hand of a master, a maestro. It needs to be put into the hands of somebody that's trained. Brandon, can you make a chord? You can, can't you? One. <laughs> Play that chord. One and sort of. That's kind of a chord, isn't it? Right? It's not a song, though, is it? This is very much what new Christians are like. We can play a chord. We can make a little bit of the right noise just enough to kind of look the part. Just enough to kind of get ourselves in trouble. Because we can play a chord or two. Maybe we could play Mary Has a Little Lamb. But that doesn't mean that we're being played by the Master, does it? Mm. Would we all agree that if you have somebody work in your house, you want a Master Craftsman? Yes. Hmm. Brandon, why, why, don't you, uh, why don't you hand that to Matthew? We all have our gifting, brother. <laughs> Brandon happens to have a different gifting than the guitar. You ever heard a microphone sing a song? No. No, why not? Because it's dead. It's lifeless. It's like that lady's husband. It has nothing left to contribute to the world. But when put in the hands of the people that have been trained for this, it becomes different. Saints, they're uh, they're going to take these dead, lifeless instruments and do something with them, and then we're going to talk about it. Turn it over.
17 years in the making to be able to do that. It's an amazing thing, saints, but nobody wants to be discipled. Nobody wants to be crafted. Nobody wants to work under the journeyman Jesus. I want to tell you something. It's wonderful that Jesus has his hands on us. But he said he appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists for the maturing of the body. That's what he appointed. Those are the tools in his hands that are supposed to be shaping. When the lifeless instrument is in the hands of a master, the life of the master is transferred to the instrument, and it takes on a brand new life of its own. Turn with me to Romans 6. Tell me when you're there. One of you there, two of you there, the rest of you already quit on me? There. Lord have mercy, we're going to hang up a denominational sign out there. You already had your three points, you're looking for your poem, now it's time to go to sleep. Friends, we have no clerical colors in here for a reason. This is a place where you're supposed to learn the living word of God. So turn to it. Y'all there? We're there. All right. Verse 5. If we have been united with him like this in his death, Come on now, if the Son could do nothing by Himself, how much do you think you're going to do by yourself? If we have been united with Him like this in His death, we will certainly also be united with Him in His resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with Him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. We think of the woman being free when she came home and saw her husband dead, right? She's free from his influence, all those things. You know who else is free, at least in this world, of that? He is. No more opportunity to sin. Saints, we must die to what once bound us so we can take on a new master. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. He doesn't leave you just empty. He fills you with Himself. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The death He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life He lives, He lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Here's something we need to realize. If our lives were likened unto music, everybody in here is producing a tune. Some are noisy. It's full of discord. It breeds only destruction and havoc. Others' lives are being played by the hand of a master. And it's something that people can worship to, something people can join in, something that bears fruit. But everybody is in the hands of a master. One is a master of treachery and deception, and the other is a master of righteousness. Ephesians 2 says you're filled with one spirit or the other in a manner of speaking. We better die so that we might live. But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. The next time somebody says, what is your opinion? How do you think Obama's doing so far? What do you think about the pastor up the road? 
much have an opinion, does he? Any more than that dead guy laying in the woman's living room. He can produce a sound that sounds just like speech when the master strikes him. But it takes the master to produce a new sound in life. What you offer on your own is not worth anything. There's a horrible word Paul uses for it. He says that it is all like dung. That ovation does not have an opinion about anything. It doesn't, after church, say, you know, I think pastor's lost his mind. It doesn't look at the people around him and say, you know, they're all a bunch of hypocrites. That guitar doesn't make a sound that the master has not instructed it to make. Do you understand how we should be just like that guitar? We want to be instruments of righteousness. You don't become an instrument of righteousness overnight. It is a process. Matt, how does that thing become an instrument of righteousness? Tell us about it. First you go to the guitar center. <laughs> and then you pay for it now. Uh, he could unplug it. Uh, let me see a show of hands again. Those who uh, are in the process of learning or want to learn how to play guitar. That's okay. Don't worry. So y'all are somewhat familiar with the what all the pieces and parts are, right? Now, usually when we talk about wanting to learn how to play the guitar, somebody gave me some great advice. They said, it's an investment. But just like whenever your kids want to go play the tuba or play the drums in the band in, in high school, you don't necessarily go out and buy a $10,000 set. You start off small. So you have a $300 to maybe $500 range for a starter guitar. That's decent. It's not something that Walmart in the box. Then you, when, as you progress and you want it to be a lifelong thing, you begin to invest more money. You tell me, what's the difference between uh, a 2003 Honda Civic and a 2009 Lexus? What's, the, what's one word that would capture that differential? Besides price. <laughs> Quality, right? Right. So, same thing with guitars. They're no different. First, you have what you call the face, or the top. This is made of a typically spruce, uh, some type of hard but yet soft wood. And in some guitars, it's uh, lacquered in the front to where you can't really see these lines, these grains. But for those of you who have had a little bit of experience with botany, or with uh, uh, trees and stuff, what do the lines represent? Age of a tree, right? So... When you're looking for something that's of quality use for a guitar, you want to find something with lots of lines, but it's specific kind of lines. It's lines that have substance, so the darker grains that you see running in between. That's the harder elements. Now, if this was all one complete hard piece, you wouldn't have what we call resonance. You need something to be able to vibrate. So it needs that soft cushion on both sides to resonate. The higher quality of wood that you have, the tighter or closer together the grains are. It's able to produce multiples of frequencies. So, that's the face here. Next, you have uh, the neck. Oh, I'm sorry, the body. Now, ovations are probably the, the one that is different than all the rest. But most guitars also have a wood body that come out. And the thing that you can't see that is an integral part in resonance is the internal support structure. Steve, what's the term that they use for the uh, the hull of the ship and those support brackets that go across? The ribs. The keel and then the ribs. Yeah. The ribs. It has something very similar. So this is curved, but most of them are flat. And it has something like a rib. Now, when they designed these, 
and high quality. It's truly a master craftsman. They do it everything by hand. He takes a chisel and a hammer, and he has to perfectly sculpt each and every piece of that rib, and then design it in, in a, uh, for a specific position within its body. Chisels. Let me know. Are they dull or sharp? Sharp. sharp. And you hit them with a hammer. So that's that's pretty pretty soft, isn't it? <laughs> no. Yeah, that's pretty hard. And when you chisel at something, what exactly are you doing? You're removing excess. You're removing the junk that doesn't belong there. It's not useful for the quality of the guitar. And whenever you place these things, they I'm serious, they have to be in a precise position. You guys need to walk along the street and you, you hum and you, and you just kind of hit a certain frequency and you feel it resonate literally from your head all the way back down to your waist. Mm, it's like, oh, you know, that tickled my ribs. <laughs> what you just did, you hit what they call a natural frequency. That means the structure of your bones and everything inside of you, that frequency had a perfect vibration that could carry throughout the distance. That's exactly how the guitar is designed. The better the quality, the better it can carry the resonance that's given to it. Now you get to that neck, Matthew, it sounds to me like the face has to have a certain number of years in the kingdom to be useful. It absolutely does. It sounds like the internal workings had to be reworked constantly by a master craftsman, chiseled out, placed in the right order. It sounds like inside and outside, before that thing became lifeless, somebody put a great deal of effort into it. You guys ever heard somebody say they're a Christian? I've been a Christian for 25 years. Really? <laughs> well, <laughs> what did that shows so much? <laughs> I will defend it until I die. In fact, I'll kill you to prove yeah. it. Uh, Eat you up if you don't believe me. In relationship to the lines, it has to be lines or years of substance. It has to have matter in it. So when you, everybody here is going to stand before Jesus the King, and he will measure what your face is made of. He will look and investigate and probe every single part. He'll see, was this line of substance, or is it of shallow? Which one do you want? If the nutrients weren't good in one year, the rings of those trees, uh, yeah. it didn't have the proper soil, the proper resistance, it becomes a weak spot in the face of the guitar. Sort of a, well, in a relationship, do you think I would want to use a face for this guitar that's blemished? No. If I had a big, like, you know, you see in knots of wood, right? It's a big pine knot right there. <laughs> it may look great, but it won't sound the same. It won't sound that great. So it's not fit for the master's use. I'll throw it away. Uh, now, kind of moving on to the neck. Now, you guys have, uh, you ever seen a guitar sh uh, stringed up? Uh, this isn't just necessarily like a, a lamp post or, you know, a straw sticking out of a cup. This is probably the most strongest element of the entire guitar. And likewise, it has to be constructed of a quality wood. Usually it's rose wood, something very, very dense. And it has to uh, be shaped and molded, but in a specific, specific way that the grain 
goes with the, the length of the guitar. And here's the thing. A good neck for a guitar is able to keep its form while under tension. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? Jesus, when he was in the desert, what made him the king of kings is that he was able to keep his form while under pressure, under tension. When a guitar begin, begins to, to uh, warp in this area, it's useless. I cannot make it sound the same. It gets to the point where I have to throw it away or replace the neck altogether. Uh, another thing, the Brandon, tell me, what are these spaces called? In between? Frets. And whenever I, I press in between those frets, it makes certain sounds. Right? Well, there's a unique uh, scripture that comes to mind. Eric quoted from Hart. It talks about unique places within our life that God puts us in. Acts 17.26 says, God determined the times and places men would live and work so that we would reach out and find him, though he's not far from each one of us. And God determined your place on that guitar, the space. And how about this one, Matt, for your tone? When he presses in each area, he plays a different string. Every area you're pressed in is supposed to produce a certain sound. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature. Whenever uh, I string these up and I'm going to make a chord or even just press on one note, I'm adding tension on that string. I'm shortening it so that when I strike it here, <laughs> it's going to make a unique sound. Well, from my experience in my own life, Whenever God presses me in a certain area and strikes me for his use, I make a sound. And it's usually, ah! <laughs> Maybe a little bit deeper. I was kind of girly. I'm sorry. Ouch! That hurts. <laughs> Just a flesh wound. Just a minor flesh wound. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it, it can resemble that of a squealing pig as well. Whenever Jesus presses on areas of my life that are weak, not necessarily weak, but it's a timed space. It's a unique point in time that he's trying to get my attention and use me. Use me. You think anybody could have ever used, my wife already left, ever use a miscarriage? You know what it's like to look at a screen one week and see a heartbeat and a baby grown in your wife's womb? Come back the next week and it's dead. Then have to suffer through watching her pass that. Holding my wife on that table and crying over her. And then going through three years of infertility. You think God could ever use that? So he did. And he has. That's another ring. This neck represents your character. Your character has to be strong. It has to hold its form while it's under tension. These strings, each of a unique size, diameter, tone, are areas of your life. One may be finances, right? Another, it's what, who are you when you're in authority? Next is who are you when you're under authority? Another one is ah, public behavior.
most of us get that right because we get embarrassed pretty easily. But here's the beat. Who are you in private? Who are you in your own home? And last but not least, we have possessions. Now, possessions and finances can be the same. But I'm going to prophesy here. What if Jesus told me to give away this guitar? It is financial in a way. But something that's a little value to one may be a huge value to somebody else. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing something wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you as an example. That guitar has no will of its own. When Matthew tunes it, yeah. um, uh, most of you guys have seen American Apple, right? We'll say uh, no. So no we were all fasting and praying. When you hear somebody sing, and very well maybe me, and I hit something that's off note or off tune or off key. It's not necessarily pleasant to the ear. You try to make it into it. Same way with a guitar. Now, once again, you guys tell me. The neck represents character. character. The strings are areas of our life. God wants to make something beautiful out of my trials. It's when he presses the areas of my life against my character. And if that area is not tuned, to all the other areas. So Gabe, when I make a G chord, right? And one of these strings is out of tune. Is it still a G chord? No, it's not. You may have tithing knocked out, but your private behavior is horrible. You may have an area of your life where possessions, you're willing to give up anything for Jesus, except what he's required for you on an income level vice versa, wherever it may be, you have to have all these things in order, in order to be used by the king. Presses them against your character. It's one thing to do well in authority, but how well do you do under authority? See, we all have these areas, and truthfully, there's usually a string that's harder to tune than the others. In fact, Matt, is this one pulled as tightly as this one? No. There's different tensions. How about that? In different areas of your life to produce different chords, you're going to get stressed in different ways. It depends on what the master wants out of you. Sometimes he might even slap a capo on you. True. <laughs> <laughs> like right now. What do you do when a string can no longer hold a tune? Tuning is like pruning. But what do you do when it won't hold the tune? There's one unique uh, string that's notorious for being tricky to tune. And that's the one right here. So it's called uh, the, it's the G. Well, it, first of all, it's hard to find that sweet spot where it tunes right. But so many times, it, is, it just so happens that the diameter is perfect for the sound, but also makes it weak enough to be susceptible to breaking or not holding that tune anymore. So there has to come a point where either voluntary or involuntary means it gets cut off. <laughs> involuntary is when it breaks during worship. Voluntary is when I cut it off with a pair of scissors. 
just like in our lives, Jesus has to prune or cut off areas that are not doing well. Now, all these other ones that are holding their tune relatively well, you know, we play like a service today. Next time I come back up, guess what? I have to tune all the ones that are still able to hold the tune. But when they can no longer hold that tune, they have to be replaced. 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 We all want to be strengths that are in tune, don't we? We want the character of God to be revealed. The way that this happens is found in Corinthians 15.31. I rarely lie when I preach. You don't have to turn there, I'll tell you. Paul says... Brothers, I die every day. I mean that, brothers. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, and then he goes on, what does it mean to die every day? It doesn't just mean that once in your life you say, I'm dead before you, Lord. I'm a lifeless instrument. I have no opinion, no will. You fill me with your desire, and I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then you pass the test and you move on. It means every day, in every situation, the ovation remains a dead instrument that is only brought to life as the Master strikes him in the right ways. As the Master fills the hollow chambers in his inner workings with his Spirit. As the Master puts his hands in the areas of the man's life that press his character so that others can see. Since there are dramatic warnings in the Word, Matt, read to us from Jude. Jude 12 13. These men are blemishes at your love feast, eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. They are clouds without rain, blown along by the wind, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, twice dead. Twice dead. All of us are going to die once. Some people are going to die twice. If we can die to our own life now, if we can become a lifeless instrument in the hands of a living God, His life will fill us. If you refuse, you will die in this age and the age to come. What good is a cloud that can't produce rain? What good is a fruit tree that does not yield any fruit, what good would a guitar be that cannot produce the right sound? What do you musicians do if your guitar will not hold, hold the tune and cannot be fixed? What do you do? You get rid of it. You get rid of it and you get a new guitar. The king of kings sent his prophets and looked at people and said, the axe is already at the root. The kingdom's going to be taken from you and given to a people who will produce it's true. Do you really think he invested 1,600 years in people and would say that and do that to them, but he wouldn't do it to us? Come on, but none of us wants that. We want our character to produce the right sounds of God, don't we? That's what we want. I want you to hear Peter's pledge. Okay, We all know how Peter did initially, but I remember how he did in the end. Listen to his pledge. It comes from Mark 14:31. It says, but Peter insisted emphatically. <laughs> emphatically. It means he's excited about this. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same thing. Now when it came down to it, did he? Yes and no. He stumbled in the beginning and got it right in the end. 
Saints, we don't die once with Jesus. You die every day with Jesus. Now, why don't you bring the worship team up here? We've got some other things to share with you. I want you to hear a centurion's testimony. This is a lost man who is seeing something that tells us something beautiful. It's Mark 15, 39. And when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus, he's being crucified, heard this cry and saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. So often we speak about the way that we live, the way that we live, the way that we live. The truth is it's the moment in which you have to die to your flesh's desire that people see the Son of God in you. As long as you do what you want to do, when you want to do it, you're no different than anybody else in the world. But sons of God die to their own will that God's character might be displayed through them. They become the craftsmanship, the workmanship of God, doing the good work that was prepared in advance for them to do. When a man made this ovation, God had Matthew in mind for it. The guitar and the maestro were suited for each other. What happens when the guitar won't do what it's supposed to do? Saints, we have to. We have to. We're going to sing a song here. Y'all can get on your feet. I want you to be ready to worship. I want you to hear this. Why do we love Jesus the way that we do? Why do you care for Him the way that you do?